Hello and welcome to episode 823 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, June 30th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, how's it going? It's going fantastically. Uh, just one day closer to baseball. That's right. We are. Um, check-in date is tomorrow. Uh, they're reporting tomorrow, June 1st, or July 1st, excuse me. And we're like just over three weeks away from things popping off. So... It's going to be wild. It's you know it's already been kind of a whirlwind. We're going to get into a few things here, and and talk about that and and kind of sort all of this out. So let's let's dive right in. No no time for pleasantries right now because we're also discussing our SP ranks with all the differences we have and they are plentiful. Just kind of giving an overview, there are 26 pitchers that you and I have a double digit split on where I'm higher and 17 where you're higher. So we've got plenty of disparities to get into. But first, a little bit of news. We're seeing some opt-outs. And, you know, it feels you know a little weird to be like, oh, somebody opted out. Let's talk about the fantasy implications of that. So let's keep that in mind that, you know, anybody who opts out, I have no issue with. I don't think anybody should begrudge a single player if they want to opt out. It is their choice. And we don't know what what they've got that that influences that choice. So if your inclination uh, at any po- point is to, you know, be angry or trash talk that player, you should consider uh, any other inclination because that, that's bad and dumb. I'm just going to be honest yeah. about it. Yeah. I uh, mean, so these are people too. Like I, I, yes. I don't understand why we have to use that caveat that these are people. It, it, sh- it should be so easy to understand that, but we still get some people with the, you know, calling into the question and question their manhood and stupid stuff like that no it's nothing like that we don't know their situation they got family they got uh you know maybe close friends whatever that that are in their life that they could be putting at risk and themselves maybe they just don't even want to put themselves at risk and i fully fully support that so we will talk about the names but it's never in a like you know negative way toward those guys I'll just mention them, and, and we'll see uh, where we're at with those teams. And I think there'll be many more. I'm going to ask you, obviously, at some point here, how many you think will opt out. Uh, we're going to talk about the first few guys that have done it. Uh, Joe Ross and Ryan Zimmerman from the Nats. Mike Leak from the – is he on the Diamondbacks now? Okay. Back on the Diamondbacks, right? Well, he's been there for a little bit now. He, he was traded to them via Seattle, I think. Anyway, and um, – and Ian Desmond in Colorado. And again, with Desmond and, and such, like, don't do the whole oh, good thing he's taken off because he's been sucking. Let's not do that either. I don't know why I thought Mike Leake was a Diamondback before. No, he was a red, giant, cardinal, mariner, now Diamondback. I'm a moron. Anyway, those are the four that we know right now. Um, and you can see it's a range, right? It's not just veterans who are maybe, you know, up there in age trying to get their – maybe take a year off for their body. You got a young guy like Joe Ross. You got uh, guys in the middle like Mike Leakey and Desmond. You got an older guy like, uh, like Ryan Zimmerman. So there are, there is going to be a cascading effect as far as spots opening. I know people were interested in Austin Voth coming into the year, regardless of what Joe Ross was going to do. So this obviously heightens uh, the interest in Voth with Zimmerman. I think that really clears the path for, Howie Kendrick and Eric Thames to kind of split DH with Leak. You know, Leak is one of those guys who, depending on your league size, has fantasy value. 
because he's always good for a run, right? There's always an, like an eight to 10 start run. And it's like, did you notice that Mike Leake has a, you know, 250 ERA over his last 10 starts, but you're always afraid to pick him up in the shallower leagues for when it ends, because when it ends, it usually ends with like an eight or eight earned run outing in two innings. But um, that should make it so that Merrill Kelly has a spot, at least initially. And then a few other guys can get it. And then Desmond, you know, does clear up um, what we know Colorado and their, and their <laughs> issue in, uh, in playing their most talented players, at least most talented by our estimations. So this will clear up some of that. So, Will it though? I mean, well, you're right. Actually, no. You know what? You're right because they've gone signed with Matt that. Kemp. They signed Matt Kemp to a minor league deal. So, no, it won't clear up anything. Now, when Matt Kemp was a non-roster invite for the Marlins, I was saying, you know, we're not that far away from him having been really productive. Uh, just in 2018, he put up a hell of a season, and. You know, I was thinking if he found time in Miami, it might not be so bad. Now, obviously, Colorado, you add in that factor, there could be a modicum of interest there in your deeper leagues. I guess I think the biggest move would be, uh, at least from a fantasy buzz perspective, is Voth now getting secured as a starter in Washington. Is he somebody you have interest in, and will you be moving him up your rankings? Uh, I mean, I don't have a ton of interest. Uh, I think he'd actually be maybe more useful in long relief in this shortened season, Uh, Mm -hmm. especially if starters aren't going to go as long initially. Uh, You'd almost rather see him pitch three or four innings out of the bullpen and, and get a shot at a win. So True, yeah. I mean, with with these shortened um, samples, that's definitely the, the preference is to have these guys be – you know, following an opener as far as trying to garner wins, but uh, and there's no start. guarantee that he's the fifth starter. I mean, roster resource, uh, at least when I uh, was doing the roto write up last night, uh, had Eric Fetty as the guy that they projected. Really? Mm-hmm. Which is a guy I've liked in the past, uh, but he's just never seemed to be able to get it together. Uh, so yeah. I don't see that. I disagree with that. But he's a you know, Jason Martinez is better at this than I am. So. Well, he may I mean, that, right. that low bar, yeah. <laughs> rude. <laughs> Very rude. Uh, let me see something here. Okay, they got both in the bullpen. Okay, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Eric Fetty was a big-time prospect as a uh, first-round draft pick a while ago. He can bring heat. I really think he is suited for the bullpen, but we'll see how it goes there. So those are the first few opt-outs. I mentioned Matt Kemp to a minor league deal. D- does he generate any interest for you? No. No knowing that Colorado will likely try to find time for him. Yeah, I mean, if he gets pulled up to the major league squad, then maybe you take a flyer. But, I mean, he didn't make the Marlins 60-man. Like that, that tells you something, right? It's a good point. It's a good point. But don't forget, the Rockies are stupid. You, no, I... So you have I, to factor I, that in. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, there's Dodgeritis and, and Rockyitis. <laughs> yes, and... I wouldn't be caught dead with uh, with Rockyitis because that is. Uh, oh yeah, no, what... I I was so hyped last night on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. We did a first and third base preview, and I just I went off talking about Garrett Hampson and you know finally getting a chance to play and uh, and, and then like no joke like what like four hours later they <laughs> they signed Matt Kemp to a minor league I, deal and I, just I will lost say, though, my mind. <laughs> I will say. 
Hampson's still situated nicely, though, because Daniel Murphy is the DH. You know, he he kind of fits perfectly in a DH, leaving McMahon and Hampson for first and second. So to that end, it might not be so bad, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I told you I was going to pose this question to you about about opt outs. Um, I put an over under of thirty. Where do oh, you stand wow. on that? An average of one per team. I think I'm going to take the under on that. Really? I think but, I'd take the over, to be honest. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we'll know pretty quickly. I, I mean, you know, if people don't report tomorrow, then, yeah, we're going to start seeing, you know, people going, okay, well, this person's going to opt out, this person's not. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the question is, will, you know, so far we haven't had, like, a big impact player do it. So what happens when Mike Trout says he's not going to play? I'm not saying he will or anything like that, but... You know, a superstar level player. What happens when one of them decides, you know, the the three million or five million I'm supposed to make this year just isn't worth it? Um, well, they that, get they get paid. They they only get paid if they can prove a pre existing condition. I don't believe it's still up in the air whether they get paid for a family member's pre existing condition. Mm-hmm. I believe. Interesting. Well, so and it, it has to be medically approved too. So like I don't think Ian Desmond's getting paid. Interesting. Huh. You know, okay. I, I don't know if Ryan I, I Zimmerman's thought... getting paid either. But I mean he he's also, you know, he was gonna be making two million you know, prorated on two million dollars. So it's like, you know, the amount of money he's made in his lifetime, who he probably doesn't care. Um, you know, it's more important for him to keep his family safe. But uh, yeah, I believe, and I could be wrong, and I'm sure I will get tweeted at. Feel free to tweet at me at Justin Mason FWFB uh, or Spore at Spore. Um, uh, that, but I believe that's what it said was that they had to. It, it was a you know medically approved uh, pre-existing condition for themselves. Okay, well I did not know that. Okay, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes with uh, with everyone. As far as the opt-outs go. But yeah, I, I picked, you know, I, I would take the over. And um, I think there will be more than an average of, of one per team. And we'll kind of see what happens. Um, again, not blaming anybody. Understand everybody that wants to sit out. And I, here's my question for you. You know, the, the, the big talk has been on Trout because his wife is expecting He's yeah. gonna miss some time. We Garrett, don't know Garrett how much Cole's time that is. Too That's right. And, That's right. And Brian Reynolds. So, where? Well, we'll start with Trout because I think obviously uh, Cole's a big deal there too, and um, you know Brian Reynolds definitely fantasy relevant. But you're talking about two first rounders there with Trout and Cole. Are you still taking them in the first round, knowing this? At the moment, I am. So I've got a draft on Wednesday. Uh, I luckily uh, drew the 15th pick. So if one of them are there <laughs> at pick 15, you better believe I'm going to take him. Uh, that being said, I completely understand. Like I've seen a number of drafts where, where Trout has fallen outside of the top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Garrett Cole has fallen towards the back end of the first round. Uh, I, I understand people... You know, kind of being uh, a little bit scared about it because, you know, he they could miss one to three days like you usually do for paternity leave, or they could be put into quarantine after, in which they move 
they miss uh like two weeks and if they yeah, miss two weeks the they're probably not second or third rounders at that no point. i mean that's so much time yeah so and uh and for people who play in leagues like nfbc where you don't have an il like that can be really really detrimental so mm-hmm. i just have a hard time passing on that kind of talent you know late in the first round if, if they're there. No, i i hear you and i'm hoping before my main event drafts um i'll, I'll have more information sure that that could be tough on information with that though because they're not due until you know the babies are coming in I, I, august information i mean in terms of what the protocol is going to be okay like, you know okay. is the protocol going to be you know if someone goes out on paternity leave because they got to you know obviously they're going to go visit the hospital where their baby's born um yeah. are they automatically going to have to go through a two-week sure uh, no no no. i feel that so if, if that kind of information comes out obviously you you end up having to drop both those guys all any guys that are likely going to miss time uh for for paternity leave or any other reason uh you know tremendously i mean mm-hmm. we're talking about brian reynolds likely not even being draftable you're talking about uh garrett cole and mike trout not being top 40 picks yeah uh so that being said uh, I'm I'm not yet ready to make that determination. Now, if we get my my first main event draft is on July 9th, and if we don't have any more information, it's going to be really hard for me to pull the trigger. I'll, I'll be honest. Like you know, I, I can say that I would still take them, you know, middle of the first round, end of the first round, wherever I'm at. But that I mean, that's a lot of money to yeah. <laughs> to invest in a league. To draft a first round pick who's already yeah that you, time you oh. could potentially lose for you know what, virtually a quarter of the a season quarter of the season yeah yep so yeah I mean that's uh, that'd be very very difficult I mean um, so we'll we'll see you know and we'll talk about it as we get closer I am in the first main event draft on purpose because I, I want to do one before ADPs were available uh, so we'll we'll see how that works out that's gonna be funny you said that's on Wednesday. It's uh, a week from Thursday. I, I'm oh, in week. Wednesday. I'm doing the Friends of Fancy Benefits uh, uh, main event qualifier draft. Excellent. We're going to be live streaming that as well. Oh, so that'd be fantastic! You can watch that on Twitter, or Facebook, or my YouTube page. There you go. Stay tuned for that info, and and watch that. I think I'll pop in there while I'm doing a retro draft. On uh, <laughs> I'm doing on that same retro draft. That's going to be wait. Interesting. You're, you're going to be in the retro. Uh-huh. Oh, that's fantastic. Cool. Well, get, then you can get me directly posted. Yeah. All right, my last little bit of um, kind of discussion before we get into the SP ranks is drafting prospects. This is somewhat in the vein of what we're talking about here with this time missed. You know, you're Dylan Carlson's, Nick Madrigal's, um, Nate Pearson's, et cetera, et cetera. They're guaranteed to miss seven days, it looks like. That looks like the cutoff, the, the, the Chris Bryant deadline, if you will, to get that extra year of service. So, you know, they're definitely going to be missing that, which – Again, it's about 12% of the season off-rip. What does that do to you as far as uh, your interest in these guys uh, at the higher end? Again, you know, the, the high-impact ones, the Dylan Carlson, Joe Adele, et cetera, et cetera. Are you taking them? Um, obviously, everyone has their own price, but does their price need to drop 
to a significant degree before you'll do it? Where do you currently stand on, on drafting prospects? Uh, I mean, I'm still going to do it. I just want to be very careful about which ones I choose and mm-hmm. the and the price I pay for it. So, for instance, like uh, I think on the road to write-up, I, I talked about uh, Mackenzie Gore and the fact that he's going to you know likely be up with the team as of, you know, the seven-day waiting period, uh, you know, expires. So, uh, and I expect him to slot right kind of into that rotation uh, somewhere. Um, I think I'd rather have him than Nate Pearson just because the price is going to be probably 70-pick difference. Oh, yeah, if they're that different. That'd be my guess. So, I mean, I think I'd rather go for a guy like Mackenzie Gore uh, you know, I'd rather go for Dylan Carlson because I think there is a clear path to playing time. Uh, I think the Cardinals really, really need him, though I think Adele probably has a fairly easy path to playing time as well. But, uh, you know, being in the central kind of super conference, I don't even know what we're calling these things <laughs> at this point, <laughs> uh, you know, is beneficial for Carlson. Uh, I think he could slot, you know, in a better spot in the lineup than Adele will initially. Uh, and I think that Adele may still be a little bit more expensive. Yeah, I'm really eager to see where the price comes out on somebody like Adele. You know, I'll I'll still be looking at him, right? I'll kind of have an idea and and see what's what as the prices are set. You mentioned that you want to do the first uh, main event because there will be no ADP, and that'll be interesting to kind of help set it. So I, I hear you from that perspective. I'm eager to see how everything breaks down with the ADPs and how little people care about them. Like I'm, I'm really excited for min maxes mm-hmm. because uh, I think that I it's think gonna they're going to be wild all over the place. Yep. I uh, think it's going to be wild. Like we had a, we had a little thread going on Twitter. It was me, SP streamer, uh, Rob silver. I think Frank Stamfel Cause uh, people started commenting when I uh, posted my uh, top 150 starting pitchers. Uh, and, and, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, I love seeing Maeda where he's at. Cause I think I have him like 31st or 34th, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like all of a sudden people are like, well, I've got him 20th. I've got him 21st. Like, I'm like, holy crap. Like, Whoa. there are going to be people all over the place with where they're going to be taking. I love Maeda, but what the frick? Yeah. So, uh, Rob Silver, I think Rob Silver was likely joking when he said he had him in the top 20. Um, but he's in my first main event, so we'll see. You know, uh, if that was uh, Rob being Rob, or if uh, if he was actually being serious there. So, uh, but I, I do think we're going to see guys go all over the place. I mean, we talk about especially NFBC being in the main event, being kind of a shoot your shot, take your guy type uh, type of leagues. Uh, I think every league's going to be like that, and I think the main event mm-hmm. will be extremely crazy uh, in that regard. No, I th- I think you're exactly right, and I think it is going to be nutty. And again, the min maxes are going to be fun to look at. And I mean, just looking at our starting pitcher rank- rankings here, we see some major differences. That uh, you know, if we were in the same draft, we could we could cause some of these crazy min max differences. So let's get into some of them. I'll do the passing mention here. We'll start with guys that you're higher on: Andrew Heaney, Kyle Gibson. We always discuss them, so I didn't really want to get too deep into our differences on them because, duh, we're different. Uh, you have, and I, I will say Heaney will likely move down a few spots. 
Okay, because you have him at 39. And that was before the news of the six-man rotation came out, though I probably should have thought about that prior. Um, so he'll likely move down a few spots. And I have him at 60 for Heaney. And then 52 and 69, nice, for Cal Gibson. Um, I know you love him. I do. I, <laughs> that range. Yeah. You know, that range, I, I can I can get behind. Let me see who I have at 52 for comparison's sake. I have Herman Marquez, and truthfully, I really don't see. I just don't. I don't. I don't know. You can draft Herman Marquez though this year, really? Can you? I mean, because now you're talking about a shortened season. You can't use him at home. Uh, Like in what? Can you can you roster a player in in a sixty game sample that you can't use for half the weeks? I mean, they did it for 162 games. <laughs> yeah, see, I With don't want to. gusto, by the way. <laughs> Do you remember that? We never really talked about Herman Marquez last mm, year. Do no, we should have done a follow-up. We should have. We really should have. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's fine. I mean, I, I understand that. You, you know how I feel with regards to you know Marquez and, and Gray. Like, I, I rank Marquez 61, and... I you feel put great 88 by the way. That's a big difference where I'm higher. I'm 54 and I'm not even I'm not even gung ho about yeah, Marquez I, or Gray. And I think I'm going to move Marquez probably down there too. Like oh, okay. I just I I, I don't want anything. I mean outside of like best ball where you can, you know, you just get the good stats, you don't have to worry about the bad ones. Like Gray especially, Gray was better at home. Like mm-hmm. are you really going to start he, pitchers in Colorado? Like he was awful yeah, he, on the road. <laughs> consistently been that way too it's kind of bizarre uh so no i, f- I feel that you, you don't have to twist my arm on uh on wanting to avoid the rockies uh pitchers of course so yeah so the heaney and gibson we won't really get too deep onto them let's talk about the first one here aj puck you have it 50 i have it 85 and I'll, I'll say off the top i consider myself a pretty big aj puck fan obviously not to the same degree here i guess i do have a little bit of trepidation with regards to what he's going to be able to do this year as far as how they're going to manage the innings. You know, we're going to get a lot of three-inning starts. So I played it a little bit cautiously. I will say probably going to be moving him up a little bit, but certainly not toward 50. I'm thinking more 70, mid-70s. Yeah. So it would still be 20 different. And I, I'm going to be moving him down. And I had a, this was a conversation, another conversation I had on Twitter after my ranks came out, where you know part of my rationale is I think that you know remember in the minors how they used to pair Lazardo and uh, Puck. Now that'd be great. If exactly. Puck is in the middle, of course. And, and that was kind of my thinking a little bit that he could be uh, Ryan Yarbrough esque. Uh, but with better skills. And, I mean, supposedly he's 100% healthy. Now, who knows? You know, I mean, we're going to have to... Uh, we're going to have to, you know, take people at their word, and some we won't. <laughs> we'll take with a grain of salt. Um, For sure. But my my thinking was, you know, the A's are a team that tends to like to uh, kind of piggyback guys. I could see them totally using Puck as a piggybacker, you know, on the back of Lazardo or something like that, a back of another pitcher like... Uh, uh, Chris Bassett, uh, and he could rack up a lot of wins and pretty good uh, ratios as well, pitching three or four innings out of the bullpen. Uh, that being said, I am going to move him down, uh, you know, and I said I'd probably likely move him down into that following tier with uh, Trino, Signarborough, uh, which would put him right around mid-60s. Okay. 
So we much we'll be closer at that point, especially with my move up for Puck. We'll be more in line there. Um and and I think that I think that will work uh for Puck. And again, if we get more clarity here during the uh the, the summer camp thing or whatever, um I would still have some excitement about Puck and and want to draft him. Particularly if he did, if we did find out he was going to get paired with an opener again, that's that's fantasy gold. When these guys uh, that are high quality get paired with an opener, they're putting themselves into much better position for a win just by default by not having to pitch the uh, the like first two innings. They're in the middle innings when the win is often assigned, so or, or earned rather. So yeah, I like Puck, but I, I couldn't quite get to fifty. You're gonna move him down. I'm gonna move him up. We'll meet closer to the middle. We're both interested, but we kind of want to see a little bit more information. This next one here, though, I got to be honest, I love this guy. You know it. We've been mm-hmm. talking about him for years. Yep. But you have Garrett Richards at 47 I do. to my 81. How? <laughs> uh, another guy that likely gets moved down a little bit. Uh, okay. But I don't think he's dropping out of like my top 60. Uh, I mean, you have to remember, he signed that two-year deal, missed all of last year. They knew he was going to. Mm-hmm. Uh so they're gonna turn him loose. They're gonna they're gonna turn him loose. Shortened season. Uh, the one thing you really can't say about Garrett Richards is when he's on the mound, he's bad. I mean, out, I mean, unless you want to call the eight inning sample from last year. No, uh, yeah, you know, we that. throw that out. So my expectation is that we're gonna get something similar to his 2018, which is okay. a fair amount of strikeouts, a good ERA, a team that does not care about you know, saving his usage. They may want to save other uh, uh, pitchers' usages um, and, and use kind of that strong bullpen to save save other pitchers, but I don't know that they're going to... I think they're just going to ride Garrett Richards until the wheels fall off. This is a team that is one of those dark horse playoff teams. Uh, and The only thing is is that the wheels often fall off pretty quickly. And that's true, but, I mean, then he's just he's a drop. I mean, we're talking about, like, a guy going outside, like, the top 250 picks, right? I gotta double check that, but true. But if you've got him ranked that high, I'm not saying you're gonna take him exactly at that rank. Yeah, we, no, we know that. We discussed that a lot about how we don't. It's not necessarily a draft list. It's it's how we like the guy, and we're not gonna overpay. But you're probably more inclined to pay a higher price than the average person drafting Garrett Richards. And I guess I guess there. What what's the cutoff to where you're fine if you have to cut him after you know two weeks or something um wait what rephrase that there's you you know we're gonna have to be much quicker with players right and i know there's kind of that loose rubric i believe it was uh popularized maybe even fully made up by Corey schwartz who used to talk about how you know we draft 23 players there's 26 weeks um, I think he used to say, and this is back when he was doing his podcast, so you could be a little bit more patient. We weren't acting as quickly. So he almost said that there was like three weeks there where we're trying not to really make too many moves anyway. But then once you get there, you start kind of doing the inverse of like, okay, now three weeks in, I can start cutting my 23rd, 22nd round type guys all the way down till you're getting to the point where it's like, okay, now we're 20 weeks in, I could cut my third, fourth rounder if they're not performing. You know what I'm saying? That that inverse relationship. It's going to be much different here in this season with, with just 60 games. What, what round is it 
where um, you're starting to say, okay, anybody after this round, I can cut two weeks in. Is it the 10th round, 12th round? I think it's higher than that. You think like eighth round you would cut somebody after two weeks? I think, think, yeah, ninth, eighth, ninth round. Um, Because, I mean, that's a quarter of the season. And you're you're gonna if you've now fallen behind, you're gonna. Have, I mean, obviously, mm, uh, let's see, eighth ninth round is what uh, math is is dumb. Uh, hundred pick hundred and twenty about. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you know, if you draft Denelson Lamette. Uh, that's a bad example because I have him ranked really low. But yeah, okay, Julio Urias. Like if he is really struggling, he's gone after two weeks. I think it really depends on the makeup of the struggles, though. I mean, he has sure, three starts, but I mean, two that's... good, one bad. Are you cutting him because he has a six ERA? I mean, and this is also going to be you need to watch games. Like, there's going to mm-hmm. be no more, you know, no more season that's more important that you know for the guys who. Uh, say well, I don't watch a lot of games. I just follow the stats. Like, the, like the makeup of starts are going to be really, really important. So if you're watching Julio Urias start and he's just, you know, he's getting unlucky, he's, uh, you know, getting uh, not getting the calls, uh, things like that, then yeah, you stick with him. But I mean, if he can't find the zone, you're gonna have to move on because you can't risk continuing to have these guys on your roster. So I mean maybe maybe the line should be one fifty in tenth round. Yeah, tenth round. Um you know, I it's I mean, but I also think it's, it's gonna be player by player dependent. Sure. It, I mean their track record's gonna play a role. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be really tough. Uh, because, you know, if you're one of those players who is is more the patient type, this season might not be good for you. Well because... and like this is gonna be like if you want to be patient with guys, that also means you cannot roster guys that are gonna be you know that get dinged up or or you're waiting on and, and things like that, uh, because that's you know you're not gonna be able to roster all of those guys. It's just not mm-hmm. gonna happen, especially in leagues like NFPC, where those Friday switches for hitters, especially, are gonna be really important. No, I I agree. I agree with that. It's going to be, it's gonna be tough. It's going to be tough to really uh, to really figure these things out. I think it's going to be a big challenge, and I'm really eager to see how it goes. Again, I do like Garrett Richards. I do think that that rank is too high. And like I said, it, it's going to come down. Um, but like, let me you know, I'll do a quick look. I uh, got him at 47. Probably, uh, probably drop him down to 55 uh, ish. Okay. So, right so, right behind another guy we're about to talk about <laughs> in, in the two two uh two guys. Oh yeah, in two in two spots there. Um let's talk Wade Miley first. 66 versus 83. I spoke pretty glowingly of Wade Miley, so I would certainly wouldn't consider myself negative on him. Maybe I maybe I need to boost him a little bit then to show that uh to show that interest because he was kind of in my last tier there. And I think he, he could get in that grouping just above in which case we really wouldn't be that different. So I'm not going to argue this so much from the uh, differences that we have at 66 versus 83, more just to get your thoughts on Wade Miley. And if you have anything specifically um, on how you're feeling about him. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just really like the situation. He's going to, I mean, the ballpark sucks, obviously, pitching in Great America Ballpark. But now he's going to get, you know, games against the Tigers, games against the Royals, uh, you know, 10 games against the Pirates. I just, I really like, you know, the way the schedule kind of lines up uh, for him potentially. Uh, and one of those guys, obviously, is not going to be a must start every week, uh, you know, depending on who he's playing. But, uh, you know, I, I do believe in him. And I know he struggled a little bit, but there was pitch dipping, uh, pitch tip, pitch dipping <laughs> issues. Wow. Um, and, uh, I mean, those should be figured out. I like a lot of what the Reds are doing. So, yeah, no, I'm, Me too. I, I'm, I'm all aboard the Miley train. Another guy where I've got him ranked 66th. But, like, not going to have to take him there more than likely. I, th I think he's obviously one of those guys. Uh, let's, you know, let's see. He, he, doesn't, he was going pick 506. Yeah, Miley doesn't generate there. a ton of interest on the fantasy landscape, and I do think he's one of those guys who, um, if you like him, you, you get to kind of sneak him cheap, and you always feel like you're getting away with a little something. And, you know, he was really good last year until two brutal starts to open September just tanked his season and made it look pretty pedestrian at a 398-134 whip. And those starts count, but again, when you look at the makeup of it for Miley, he was so good until those two. Um, it stinks that he kind of ruined it. But I, I think he could be solid here, and I like guys in that central for sure uh, that get to take the uh, full advantage of the AL central as well in their interleague, ga interleague games. Excuse me. Next up is Dylan Cease, who we talked about being at that 55 marker that you're going to move Garrett Richards near. 55 versus 71, this is another one where I cons consider myself a pretty big believer throughout the uh, throughout the offseason here, but I come in on the low end so, versus you, so I think it's worth uh, pointing out that, okay, maybe, I, uh, maybe I'm not as high if you've got him at 55. I'm at 71. I moved him down from 66 a little bit. That was really just shuffling. That wasn't some giant move against Cease. That was just, uh, you know... All these moves here and there, guys moving up. He got pushed down a little. I really do like him. And again, the central is very favorable. But there are still issues. He's not ready-made. We still need to see improvements from him in this season. So talk to us about your your interest in Dylan Cease and uh, why you like him in the in the top 60 there. Yeah, I mean, part of it is Grandall coming to, uh, to the helps. White Sox. I, I really like... Uh, a catcher like that who is so good at framing uh, and calling a game, you know, kind of helping out a, a young guy. We obviously have talked about how much we like him and that, like, the XFIP was dramatically lower than the ERA in what was, like, an ugly, you know, first 73 uh, innings at, at the major leagues. Uh, you know, the division obviously helps. Ten games against uh, the Royals, ten games uh, against uh, the uh, the Tigers, you know, then getting to go and, and play uh, those teams in the NL Central, which, you know, I mean, Pittsburgh's offense is going to be, I think, atrocious. Uh, mm -hmm. and But there's not really, like, a juggernaut team. Well, the Reds, I think. I mean, the Reds, I guess, yeah. Um, but, you know, you pick and choose your starts with a guy like Cease. Uh, you, don't sure. to, you don't have to use you're him not, every um, you know, time. If, you, if he's pitching well, you're not terrified of him going against the Cubs-Cardinals. Or, or even the Brewers, or maybe even the Reds. You know, Cease has that potential to be that guy with the strikeouts if they're getting there, and he's cutting that home run rate, which is that one nine last year, that you could really feel comfortable. Um, yeah. So I, again, I do like him, 
I just have them down here a little bit more, kind of planning for the fact that we do need to see some improvement. I kind of like that uh, that you're being a little bit more aggressive and say, hey, I'm going to take my shot, especially if you're going to have an earlier uh, cut threshold. Maybe you're not as worried about the potential downfall because you're saying, I'm moving on anyway. So that's Dylan C's 55 versus 71. Go ahead. I do want to talk a little bit about just in general, like starting pitching strategy that I'm starting to develop. And, and the idea is, you know, obviously I'm going to take my, my aces and, and my elite pitchers early still. But like the field I'm moving down in terms of like overall. Um, and I don't usually release an overall ranks type thing because it's not typically how I draft. But mm-hmm. I really want to grab, you know, some just stabilizing guys at the beginning of a draft. And then I'm just going to wait. And so, yeah, it may be jarring to see guys like Richard's high as he is or C's high as he is. But that's also accounting for the fact that I'm I'm probably not going to be drafting a lot of pitchers in the range that most, you know, people are drafting their, you know, 40th ranked 50th rank, 60th rank uh, pitcher. I'm just going to be loading up on offense. Yeah, pitching is going to be wild, especially with, you know, the idea that there's going to be a lot of uh, disjointed, you know, smaller starts at the beginning. It's going to be crazy. And, you know, some of these young guys that they get through these first few starts of three, four innings, and then they get into a groove for a seven to eight start run. They could be season makers, you know, and I think Cease and, and Richard's not uh, some sort of young guy, but he's got massive talent. And so if he pops off, I mean, he still is only 32. It feels like he's been around forever. But um, so I get it. I, I understand what you're saying there with regards to how you're going going to approach pitching this year. And that will lead to some higher ranks. A guy you have just two spots below Cease is Adrian Hauser. Another one that I've found myself backing but I still wound up a good bit different from you at 57 versus 73. I guess it's going to be the same principle applying here though, where you're just, you're kind of putting your, your flag guys up a bit higher, knowing that you're going to take them later anyway. And so that's just showing off how much you like them as opposed to a draft order necessarily. I do believe even at 57 to 73, we're in full glob territory where it's not that different. I have Masahiro Tanaka at 57. I can't create some case that 57, that Tanaka versus Hauser is massively different. But if you want to say a few words on Hauser specifically and what you expect from this year, I'm interested because I really do like him. And again, we've got that central aspect playing a role. And I, I am going to be leaning on a lot of these central players because for the NL guys, their interleague is really good. And for the AL guys, obviously their, their intraleague is very good. Yeah, I really like the combination of the high ground ball rate and the strikeout uptick uh, uh, last season. Uh, you know, obviously playing the Central against the AL Central teams, the NL Central teams is definitely a benefit. You know, the one concern that I I have with Hauser that I might might have, be having me start to back off him a little bit and maybe pushing him down my ranks a tad bit is just. Craig Council and the way he uses that bullpen. Mm-hmm. And I do worry about, you know, kind of if you look at his game logs, especially, you know, towards the end of last year, it was, uh, let's see, his last six games four and a third, four, three, five, four, four innings pitched. It was tough. I remember coming and, down the stretch in some leagues deciding, you know, do you want to use Hauser knowing that? they're likely not going to let him even go five. And and that becomes a really scary proposition because if he can't get wins, 
you know, obviously he becomes a, a three-category player uh, and not a great one in terms of strikeouts because how many strikeouts can you really rack up in you know the short stretches like that? So I may end up dropping him a little bit uh, because of that, but I do mm-hmm. like Hauser. I, I believe in, in what we saw uh, last year, and I, I think he... I think he's going to be good on a per inning basis. The question is, how many innings is he going to get? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's Adrian Hauser. Next up is Anthony Descofani, 72 versus 88. Same story here with regards to the Central. I, I will say this again. Um, I included this one to point out that I have him too low because I like Descofani. And you I did. got him below, like Marco Gonzalez, uh, even Eovaldi, who I love. I'm still going to go Descofani higher. Reynaldo Lopez, um, I think even Josh James, I want to put him over. So I, I've got I've got Descalfani too low. So again, this is less about the discrepancy that we have and more about my interest in your thoughts on Descalfani and what you think we could see this year from a guy who's certainly shown flashes. He's really over the course of the several uh, last few years, really shown some glimpses of hey, he could be really good. So what do you think of Descalfani? I, I like him a lot. He's a guy I've liked for a long time. He's dealt with injuries and, and obviously had trouble kind of getting into the Reds rotation, but it looks like he's there now. Uh, you know, the park sucks, and it definitely hurts him in, in kind of the home run rate department, uh, but the division is going to be really, really nice, and that schedule lines up really well, like uh, we talked about with a lot of the other central guys. The offense behind him is going to be fantastic, uh, and so that should lead to a, a fair amount of uh, wins. Um, I... I think he's just a sneaky guy that is kind of going under the radar if you're playing in a league uh, without Jeff Erickson. <laughs> or Eno Saris, who's yeah, always yeah, liked yeah, uh, yeah. Tony Disco as well. And Yeah, I, I tend to agree there. I think he has been a little bit um, a little bit forgotten. My rank my rank plays into that, I think. I, I just put him too low. 389 ERA and a 120 whip last year, despite too high of a home run rate. You know, he kind of overcame that home run rate and still put up some decent ratios. If he brings that down a little bit, which is no guarantee because Descalfani has had home run issues before, including in 2018. But if he can shave that a bit, I think we could see a mid to low threes ERA with the strong whip and a decent strikeout rate in that cent- in that giant central division. So he's definitely moving up on mine. We might be damn near equal at 72 each by the time I end up moving him uh, to where I think he belongs. And I'll have an update out in a couple weeks, to be honest, as I kind of let the dust yeah. settle on things. I'll probably have an update next week. Um, Perfect. Just prior to, you know, doing the main event. So, um, yeah. All right, then your last one that you're higher on is Jesus Lazardo, 29 versus 43. Now, I like Lazardo. Now, in this one, though, you are going to have to pay that premium because he is going way high. And I, w- I do think he'll be pushed up to um, a level pretty close to that, to where your ranking is. I guess with my ranking, I'm saying I'm kind of passing this year and letting everybody else deal with it as much as I like him. I just think that the price has, has gotten a little bit too high. I don't know. I I, I go back and forth because I do love him, and I say maybe just bet on the talent and go for a guy that you've, you've liked now for a couple years and can be electric for 60 games versus – don't overdraft somebody who hasn't really done anything at the major league level yet. Talk to me about Jesus Lazardo and your love for him at 29. Man, this is a difficult one. And I, and I went back and forth. I, at one point I had him as low as like 36, 37. Uh, and then there were times where I had him as high as like 19. Um, 
And I wish you'd done that. <laughs> I would have been impressed. No, I would have. Hey, it, you've been staking your claim. If if we're talking from like a straight skills perspective and and what we believe he can do, like I think he is in the conversation for like a top twenty, top twenty five uh, price tag. Uh, that being said, like it's the A's. What are the A's going to do this year? Like mm-hmm. they they didn't even pay the rent on their stadium. Like, so, like, I don't even know what, you know, this is a team, and I think it was uh, Scott Jenstead uh, on the Rotowire podcast uh, recently, like, said, like, this is a team that could say that this is our our window. You know, we're yeah. a team that knows how to manipulate uh, platoons. We're a team that's kind of built to win right now, especially with Marcus Simeon being a free agent uh, next year. Uh, do we want to, you know is sometimes it's going to take, you know, weird events for a team, a low budget team like the A's to, uh, to win a world series. So why not go for it right now? And maybe they just roll with him or maybe they don't, maybe they say they, they do that piggyback thing, like with puck, uh, and they go, well, you know, Lozardo's going to get the first four innings, puck, puck will get the next three and then we'll move into the bullpen. Uh, which would be disastrous for his value. Sure, I think that that would be trouble for Lazardo if he was on the front end of that. Of course, that, I think. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I I'm gonna move him down because I just okay. don't know that I want to take the chance on him as like my number two pit, starting pitcher. And, That's the thing; it's gonna be so high for Lazardo that he's going to have to perform it, and you know. Is he someone that you're cutting three weeks in because he's not performing that well to pay that premium? That's that's tough for me. So I've got him closer. Yeah, I got him 43. I'm 29. If you bring him down a little bit, we'll obviously be closer at that yeah, point. I think I move him down behind Maeda because I think Maeda is like the perfect example of someone who has upside, but I feel much more comfortable that he's actually going to get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll be rooting for Lazardo without a doubt. I don't know that he'll be on any teams that I don't already have him drafted on. It'll be one of those where it's like, hey, I hope he does well, but I just can't quite get myself to uh, to push him all the way to the top there where some folks are going to take Lozardo. All right, now let's move on to the ones that I have higher, similar to Heaney and Gibson, a passing mention of Aaron Savale. I still love him, obviously. I have him um, a good bit higher than you at uh, 53 versus your 76. Although... You start getting you start getting globby with it. Again, it becomes one of those things where it's it's not really that big of a difference between the two. But obviously, I am a bigger fan of Aaron Savali than most people, to be quite honest. So that's just my guy. But we don't have to belabor that. We talk about him anytime we bring up starting pitching. So let's get into the other differences. Let's start lower here and talk about Daniel Norris at ninety versus uh, the one thirty-five for you now. We don't have to go crazy on this one because it is a lower tier player, but I'm surprised you have him that low because that's like basically not drafting him at all. You have no interest in Daniel Norris? Uh, no, it's not that I don't have any interest. I think, like you said, the difference between 135 and 90 isn't super huge, and I like I still do love the raw talent. Um, but I mean he's been garbage. <laughs> like, uh, so. I don't know, and for some reason our depth charts is... It wasn't bad last year. 449 area, 133 whip, not great. 
Our depth chart is flashes. totally messed up on the Detroit page, so we're going to have to... Uh, well, they've got Francisco sense. Lindor leading off and Oscar Mercado yes. uh, batting second. I mean, this is like a dream team. Like they've got the they've got the Indians uh, rotation in there. Let's go. So um, the Tigers are the Indians now. We're yeah, competing. And, Excellent. Yeah, no, and well, no, they've got the in, entire Indians team um, at, at, on the Detroit we'll have, tab. We'll have uh, to make sure that that gets fixed. Yeah, but, uh, I wonder if maybe that it just got switched. Let's see. Nope, the Cleveland's got Chicago White Sox. Oh, okay. So there is a a cluster in the central. We'll have to get that addressed. I will point out. Now this is interesting. Depends what the Tigers do. Because he was on the wrong end of what you're talking about here with the tandem. Because he, he was tandeming Norris was with Drew Verhagen. But he was getting three inning outings. And his last eight starts were all three innings on the button. But he put up a 225 ERA with 23 strikeouts and just five walks in 24 innings. And a sub one whip at, uh, at .88. But obviously no win potential. Uh, first off, it's already going to be low on the Tigers. But then the fact that uh, that he was only going three innings didn't help much. But what if he found himself in a better scenario there? Oh yeah, I see. I see what you're seeing here with the uh, with the depth charts. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where the actual uh, Tigers are. We is. are we under like Minnesota here? Let's see. <laughs> no, they have Kansas City. Yeah, and so Kansas Kansas City. Kansas City has Kansas City. So that'll what? be that'll be a really fun matchup. Boston and Baltimore have both Baltimore's. I mean, uh, the Angels have nobody on their roster. Okay, well, so they all we need to let them they all know. got sick apparently. Yeah, they did. All right. Anyway, I don't think he's going to be on that three inning program this year for Daniel Norris. Um, I was impressed that you know in three inning stints, you don't want to overrate it because it's not even a full start, and you know if he's doing it again, we're not going to get uh, we're not going to get fantasy greatness out of it but i do like him i thought 135 was just a bit too low there and and makes it so that you're not really drafting him more of a waiver p- pickup but, but i mean it is that a Detroit he is Tigers guy too. yeah i mean what? like he is a 15 just, team i don't know he 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 was going pick 663 that doesn't mean you have to agree with it i mean he's i i think he's a waiver wire guy i think he's a guy you watch and you see uh and if like let's say in his first outing he goes five you go okay Maybe I pick him up for next week, but or if he's got really, you know, maybe he's got uh, a matchup versus, you know, his opening week is against the Royals and he lines up to go against Pittsburgh, you know, week two. Then you go, okay, yeah, he's going to be one of my last picks. But you got John Means business at ninety, at ninety three or at eighty four. Yeah, and John Means has been much better than Daniel Norris. I mean, yeah, but now he gets the the beast. Yeah, good luck with I that. I mean, I'm probably not drafting. Let me John know how that Means. works out for you. You got Zach Eflin over him. Uh, yeah, I, I stand by that. Disgraceful, disgraceful. I'm not taking anybody in the beast. I mean, yeah, true, but you're taking but... Daniel Norris in the central where he doesn't get to face his own team unless we're using the current roster research. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't. But there are still plenty of good teams to face. Like the central, even the the guys who are on one of the bad teams, it's still the softest landing. Oh, for sure. You still have Casey. You still have Pittsburgh. Um, White Sox have to prove that they're here. Granted, I am afraid of them as a lineup. I'm not saying that they're not. Cleveland's really half a lineup. You know, so, the top half, yeah, it, so is the it, Cubs, correct. and so are the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
All right. Well, let's not belabor that too much. That's a low guy that neither of us are really going too crazy on regardless. Let's move on to the next guy. Next up is John Gray at 54 versus 88. We've already kind of discussed this, so we, we don't have to go too far on this. I get it. If you just if you have no confidence in ever finding a, you know a use for him, then I get it. Um, I'll probably move him down a little bit. Not too much, though. Like, I don't know. He still has so much talent. He does, but, been, like, I just he, don't know. Because f- he's been better at home, but I don't know. When are you going to feel comfortable starting him? Like, I mean, okay, for instance, like, against he... Against the Mariners? I mean, he put up against the Giants uh, in, in July, July 17th, he put up a five inning and a third, six earned runs, 11 hits, uh, only three yeah, strikeouts. I, like, that ruins your season. No, I, I think you're right. It does come down to when are you ever going to feel comfortable? And if the answer is pretty much never, then move them down. I, I think you might be selling me on that with, with Marquez as well, that maybe I move them down a good bit, and then the answer isn't really about their talent. It's about I can't ever feel comfortable. So, yes, he's going to have good starts, but I don't know when they're coming, so why the heck would I ever? Yeah, I just don't know how you can to properly pick. I mean, you know, maybe somebody does, uh, and they they probably pick it out and uh, properly pick it out. I just don't know that I'm going to be able to. Uh, and for that reason alone, I just I feel like I got to avoid them. And it, it's a bummer because I already have Gray on my barf team and. I just don't know when I'm gonna use him. I mean, yeah, no, I, I understand that. I, I was much higher on him, you know, back in March. I had him at 67. Like he dropped 21 spots for me just because I don't know how to use him, you know, this season. And uh, I think there are gonna be guys like that where you just go, you know, and it's gonna be maybe different for for other people. Like some people, it's gonna be Otani. Like, well, I don't know how I'm gonna use him properly, so I'm just not gonna take that shot. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that, you know, play to your strengths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get it. I get it. And I think that's um, – I think you're convincing me on that. I think I'm actually going to have to b- bump these guys down because it really comes down less about their talent and the fact – it's not that I can't possibly see them succeed. It's that I don't know when that success might be coming, and I don't want to deal with it. So, yeah, I'm going to move John Gray down. Now – I don't agree with Homer Bailey at 94 for you. I'm 65, 65 versus 94. Again, don't want to be labored. Just the cent- this isn't just a central thing. I just think he's he's talented when he's healthy. His close to the season last year was really impressive. Why do you have Homer Bailey down at 94? Yeah, I think that's a mistake. I should. I'm going to move him up. Um, and I did move him up from 108. Uh. I guess I probably should put him about 79. Okay. And then all of a sudden... um, Maybe 80. Yeah. Our disparity doesn't stand out as much because I I have him at 65. Yeah, I definitely should move him up. I mean, he's going to get that offense behind him. That defense got better with Josh Donaldson. Uh, He's getting, you know, 10 games against the Royals, 10 games against the Tigers, gets go against Pittsburgh, those other teams in the... NL Central don't scare you. Yeah, that's a mistake. I'm I'm gonna move him up. All right, there we go. We're uh, we're making moves here. We're convincing each other. This one this you're not fantastic. gonna convince me on. Oh, is that right? Yeah, no. It just it's you're wrong. All right, hang on. Let's see if I'm wrong. 
We are talking about... Oh, Corey... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you're so wrong. Oh, God, your ranking is so fucking bad. It's unbelievable. You have Corey... 25 versus 45. Really? You're, you're going that hard on seven starts? You think uh, he's done? I don't know if he is or not, but I don't want to find out on my teams. Like, if he's great... Is it really that big? Like, okay, now, until you make the move... You know, you're going to make a move. You got Jesus Lazardo 16 spots higher. I think that's crazy. You're going to go sight unseen guy. But it's not over... sight unseen. We saw him last year, and he was great. And when we saw Corey, Corey Kluber, it. he was atrocious. Stop and there's it. been red flags for a while that things were coming off. And now he has, you know, has been hurt, too. On top. Yeah, no, I'm just... I'm out. I'm out on Corey Kluber, and I understand people want to buy back in, but like, if you take him as starting pitcher number twenty-five, you need him to produce that. Sure. Uh, I mean, that's. I, I mean, need, that I is. Need, I just need him. Yeah, I need him. That's to be a good. top eighty player. Okay. You know, or this well, no, one of no, the that, best uh, pitchers in baseball. One, two, three. Okay, let, let's say that's a, a top ninety player. That's where Frankie Montas was going. Look. I understand a little bit about the um, new team. Velo dropping. What? New team. New park. New batters. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's, uh, you know, going to be playing games in Colorado. Uh, going to be going up against a really, really tough division. Uh, you know, constantly. Like, I, there are a lot of reasons I just am just going to stay away from Corey Kluber. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not too worried about some of those factors there. When you're talking about a stud pitcher, um, we don't we don't really count that here. The, like the, those fringe factors. You talk about warning signs. The, really, the only one was velocity, which has been going lower, and his fastball has never really been that good for Kluber. In 2018, he went 289.99 ERA WHIP. Despite that, okay. So you're you're making a lot off of seven starts where. They were disjointed. He never really got a chance to come back from them. He's kind of a known slow starter. But okay, the fact he's a known slow starter, and what if he starts in, slow in the cold weather months? Do we know it's the cold weather months, or it just takes him a little while to get the feel for things? Well, first off, you can even make a case that 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 the the slow start stuff is not even statistically sound. That's more of a and, and I, I think ancillary thing. I think you can make that. Uh, so I don't even I'm not even going to put a ton of weight into that. It's just that when you look at his career, his ERAs, you know, 391 in April, 336 in May, 292, 268, 278, 332. It does correlate with the colder weather being a little bit of an issue for Kluber. I'm just saying it's really actually four starts that you're going off of because two of his seven were really good. One was solid. It was seven innings, four runs. Like that's not the end of the world. It was two, two of those runs were in the seventh inning. Maybe he was just in a little bit longer Then the other four were definitely bad, but man, I don't know. I, I think you're kind of throwing him out a little bit too early. This is a guy who's been one of the most uh, impressive pitchers in the league uh, before last year and because his season got erased after b having that batted ball break his arm and then an oblique after that all of a sudden we're moving him down and i know you got him at 50 45 you're not putting him in the trash but i think that that's oh i am too far oh, oh okay well then <laughs> i mean putting him at 45 terrible. is is saying i'm not gonna have uh yeah. him on my team 
because there's going to be one believer or at least someone who sees the name value and goes, I'm I'm taking the discount on on Corey Kluber. He's 10 spots away from Dylan Cease and five from AJ Puck. That's insane. You know that, right? That's, that's insane. No, it's really not. I mean, like I said, moving puck down, but um, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But no, I, I just I think it's um, I think it's an overreaction to last year. I really do. I got to be honest with and you. And I think you have an underreaction to last year. His FIP was four oh six. His ex FIP was four eighty eight. I wonder why though. I'm looking at the home run. That doesn't make any sense to me. No, he had a one point oh one home four, run rate. Four sixty eight Sierra. He had a 10% homer to fly ball rate. So usually that smooths out home run rates, XFIP does. And I'm not I'm not really understanding. Like he's never had a home run issue. So why, you're, I think you're only using XFIP because it, it benefits you here. For when, sure. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't I don't see that. Um I mean, I could be wrong. It's just not gonna happen on my team. That's I mean, I'm just not I, to to take him as a top twenty five starting pitcher means you are using him as your number two. Now, I mean, well, no, I mean you. I mean, even according to ADP, you're pretty much saying he's your number two starting pitcher, and I just do not feel comfortable with Corey Kluber as my number two starting pitcher. Well, you're allowed to feel that way, but I think that's a bad way to do. Join it. my main event league. Let's go. Terrible call there. Corey Kluber for life. All right, Madison Bumgarner, 45 versus 65. I, I'm not going to pretend to be some big Bumgarner guy. I actually moved him down, but you got him at 65. Again, you're just saying you're fully out. Completely Why? out. Uh, I mean, New, new Park, um, he's been traditionally great at Oracle or Pac-Bell or AT&T or whatever, you, <laughs> whatever they're calling whatever it Whatever the now. 94 yeah. names are. Uh, yeah, and just atrocious everywhere else. Uh, I, I do worry that uh, you know the amount of innings he's put on his body over the course of his career has started to take uh, a toll. He's a guy that really um, is uh, an accumulator of sorts. Uh, like you know, part of the appeal is you're going to get 200 innings from him. Well, now there's no way he gets 200 innings. Um, that being said, I mean he could get more innings than other guys. I just don't know that they're going to be that good. Do we really think he's going to go back to being? You know, a, a mid threes guy. I don't look at the projections for him. I mean, they all have him at four or five ERA. Like that's scary. Uh, just I'm out. I, and I, you know, I will always love Baumgartner for what he did for my team. Like Hall of Famer to me. Uh, I, you know, I mean, he's, uh, you know, Mount Rushmore of Giants players. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's not going to be on my team this year. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not going to go over the top. Do you think 65 is over the top? With, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I think that's 42% fly balls. Uh, I mean, I guess this, this new park can... is not that bad. Yeah, like, humidor can definitely help. What's it called? Uh, whatever they're calling it is always the best park. To pitch in the uh, San Francisco's park, I get yeah. that, but uh, Chase Field is not. It's a not death no, not, not that it will not like it was before the humidor was put in. So you know, here's the thing. Let's see. Let me see something really quick. I don't know. And again, I don't. I I don't want to go too far. Like 
overly defending him because I'm I'm not this huge Bumgarner honk. I guess I'm just surprised that the the projections are so far out on him because his ERA indicators had him either at his ERA, FIP matched his ERA at 3.90, and then like XFIP was like 4.15. Um, let's see. Or Sierra was 4.15. XFIP was 4.31. And again, I'm I guess I'm misunderstanding XFIP because why would it be higher? He had a home run rate that he's never really had. If you're smoothing that out to league average, I don't know why that wouldn't go down. But anyway, I will say, I mean, Bumgarner looked more like himself last year than he had the previous two seasons. Mm-hmm. He, he was definitely better at locating within the zone, which was the huge issue coming off of those injuries. It wasn't the fact that he couldn't find the zone. He, he could. He just was not being able to hit the glove within it. Um, so would it surprise me if we see a guy who comes out and, you know, is like a three, six, uh, ERA guy, uh, with, I don't know, eight strikeouts per nine. Yeah. I, I, I think that, but like, I, I just don't think there's a huge amount of upside and there's obviously obvious downside. I mean, there's definitely downside, but, uh, you know, that's, that's inherent downside for everybody right now. There's some skill based downside for Bumgarner too, that, that isn't just the standard, you know, standard issue downside. I don't know. I, I, I think we should probably meet in the middle, though. Um, maybe I mean, he put gives up a the... lot of hard hit. I mean, oh, I mean, to bottom ten percent in the league according to Baseball Savant and hard hit percentage. Ugh, yeah, I, you know, exit velocity bottom fifteen percent of the league. I mean, I just think there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And I just, I, I just don't want him on my team. Well, and you won't have him there at that ranking for Bumgarner. All right, Hunjin Ryu, 29 versus 42. One thing I've been pushing back on as far as the community at large is this notion that the, the shortened season, everyone's saying embrace volatility. Everyone's just talking about the upside. Joey Gallo could hit 300 in this yep. season. He could also hit 108. Yes, like, exactly. It, and 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 there's been this idea floated a little bit that that the injury risk is erased. No, 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 it's not erased. Just because guys, you know, uh, there's less time to get hurt or whatever, they can still get hurt early. And if so, if they're guys that regularly get hurt, it's not erased. So that's not, I mean, that's not a case I'm going to make with Ryu. Where where you would talk about it in a favorable way is to say they don't need to make it as long to get to the finish line, right? You're talking about only needing to make it two months for somebody like Ryu to get to the finish line. And you mentioned this with Richards. I think this is even more so with Ryu. He's literally never been bad outside of one little brief stint. I think it was like eight innings even. Uh, not even. It was four and two-thirds. It was one start. We're not even – don't even count that. It's not even worth it. So he's literally never been bad when he's actually pitched a sample of note for uh, for Hunt and Ryu. And so for me – I am putting into account the fact that I was like, okay, well, he did just make a healthy se- have a healthy season where he pitched really well. The year before that, it was only 15 starts, but they were brilliant 15 starts. If I'm just going off of a talent per inning here, I had to get Ryu in my top 30. I think he's a beast. I know he's going to, to the beast, by the way. That is a, that is a problem. Um, but this isn't somebody who I think you know, needs a favorable environment to pitch well. The the NL West has never been like super easy. Colorado's always been lurking. There seems to always be a team, do, whether it's your Giants or the Diamondbacks. He's always been on the best team, so he's never had to face the the, the toughest team in that division. But I don't find Ryu to be somebody who needs some cushy environment. So the beast 
little bit, a little bit of concern, but I think his talent can overcome that. I really like him, and I, I, I had to have, I had to have him in my top thirty here because I think two months of Ryu could be great. What, what do you think? Uh, I think maybe we should meet in the middle a little bit. Okay. I think he should definitely come up in my ranks. Like I'm gonna pop okay. him over Musgrove and Wheeler and Heaney and Minor. Uh, Mid thirties seems right to me. Um, and then I mean, yeah, he just he should jump up a tier for me. I think he should probably jump down a tier for you. That beast is a beast. It is like, a beast. Without it is a, a beast. Doubt. He, I mean, he is going to be pitching on that He's turf on one of the in Rogers. Teams. Yeah, Rogers Center. Um, with not necessarily great defense behind him in the infield. Uh, yeah, I think mid. I, I think I'm I'm a, I'm a tad low, and I, I will okay. bump him up, kind of into the Matthew Boy, Trevor Bauer, Carlos Martinez uh, area. Uh, but I can't put him much higher than that. And I do like him, and but I think at that price, like I think I'll get I'll get him in a league or two. Well, that's the thing too is like um, I'm obviously not going to have to pay that full on premium because I do think the East will keep people away um, from Ryu, and so I think I'll have an opportunity to get him at a at a remarkably fair price. So I'll have some shares of him, but I'm eager to see what he can do um, in a new league. You know, it's going to be tough, but. The difference now you can't you can't make that AL to NL as some crazy difference with the NL getting the DH now too. So that's that's kind of an interesting factor that we have to start baking in now too. It's like just because someone's going to the AL doesn't mean that it's that it's this uh, this major issue off the top. So all right, uh, last one here, Mike Soroka, thirty-two versus forty-four, and I even moved him down, but you saw him at forty. I. I kind of like your ranking i understand yeah. the concerns here and i i mean like we talked about in i think it was the last episode when we or maybe the episode before when we discussed him i really like him as a player i there's just so much that can go wrong and now being in that beast east and uh the defense getting worse with donaldson leaving i just worry about there's a lack of upside now you know, and we're going to be chasing strikeouts because leagues will be decided on the last day of a season because a guy gets, you know, seven strikeouts and another guy gets two. Yeah. You know, and I just think Soroka's that guy is going to get two. Like, and that, that hurts. Like, I I mean, if you pair him well, maybe, you know, he, he becomes a real interesting number three if you've got, you know, Garrett Cole. But, uh... So if you go Cole, somebody, Soroka. Yeah, maybe when like Cole, Woodruff, Soroka. Like mm-hmm. I could see that. Two strikeout guys to kind of cover mm-hmm. some of his strikeout deficiency. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, that being said, like I just, I, I, I already have him on a number of teams. So I, I'm probably not going to oversaturate with my final three or four drafts. Okay. I think that's fair. And like I said, I, I moved him to. I used to have him pretty, pretty high, and uh, I decided to tamp down my excitement a little bit on him. I do like Soroka, but you can't ignore the strikeout situation. You can't ignore the beast that we just got into. In fact, he's got a little bit of Ryu in him as far as like the same setup, although his strikeout rate's even lower. I'm betting on the veteran a little bit more there with with Ryu, um, but I actually have 
I have Soroka higher, so I'm on the higher end between the two of us. I could see maybe dropping him down another couple spots, but maybe like 35 would be the lowest for me. I, I, when you watch Soroka pitch, you get why he's successful. He's definitely one of those guys that you understand. And if you've watched him pitch and you feel like he can get more strikeouts, I understand where you're coming from on that too because some of his stuff looks like it could generate more Ks, but he's often getting three and out, you know, having having to expire uh, having to expend few pitches to get guys out so i think that's a big deal too so i get i get why you're why you're a bit lower um i do like him though so i'm i'm really interested to uh i'm really interested to see where soroka goes to be honest you know we talk about these adps and how they're going to be wild and disparate i think he could have a huge one where somebody takes him as high as like the 23rd starter and then he goes as low as like the 50th starter you yeah. know i i Definitely think that that is going to happen. Uh, I think he's I can... one of those guys going to have a really large split. Uh, it it will be very very interesting. I'm uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to have some of these drafts. Uh, like I said, I'm going to do the the Friends of Fantasy Benefits main event qualifier uh, draft on Wednesday, and I'm really really excited to kind of try out a different strategy. Yeah, um, and see I, I think how that should. works. Look, if you're if you're drafting leagues here. And look, it's your money. You do what you want. But one thing I would say is that if you're just going with your same old, same old strategy, you're kind of wasting an opportunity to try out some things that maybe you haven't really wanted to. And I'm not saying this to disparage anybody. I've had these thoughts of like, I want to try this. Then I get in the draft two rounds in, I'm right back on my normal thing of comfort, you know, drafting pitchers here and, and hitters there. And I, and I don't go for it there's never a better time to go for it. And I understand that part of the issue is that with only 60 games, you might not be able to see if going for it paid off, you know, but I still think that it's worth going for and trying out some of those really interesting strategies that you've been batting around that you never really wanted to go full bore with. So I think this is a great opportunity to do that. I know you're, Definitely somebody who's not afraid to do that. I'm going to challenge myself to do the same. And we'll be talking about him here on the show. So there's our pitching rankings. You can find both of them on the site. If you have any questions or any players that you think we were too high, too low on, definitely hit us up in the comments or on Twitter at Spore and Justin Mason, FWFB. Justin, back on Thursday. And you said this draft's on Wednesday, so we'll have that draft to talk about, right? Yeah, it'll be interesting drafting from the 15 spot. So uh, I'm interested to see who falls to me. All right, perfect. Well, enjoy your draft, and I'll be seeing you in the retro room, too. All right, take it easy. Peace.